Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. And um, that gladness of the Lord I can see is upon you today. And, and the joy of the Lord is upon you. And it's so wonderful to uh, be up front here and hear so many of you worshiping. And um, even people giving me words this morning. Uh, there was a suggestion. One of the older men in the congregation asked me why I wasn't up there leading worship next to my wife. And I said, you don't know what you ask for. <laughs> I'll tell you the last time I picked up a guitar, Corin was dreadfully sick. This was long before we were married. And um, she had glandular fever. She was lying in bed. She could hardly lift her head. And, and I just felt I needed to go into that room and with my guitar and like just fill the air with praise and worship. And that's what I did. I went over to her house and started to play. And she lifted her head and opened her eyes and she said, please won't you stop it? <laughs> I, think, I think I was driving the spirit away. But um, I have an honest truth. I haven't picked up a guitar since. So... Um, be that it is made. But uh, guys, uh, God has given me a word for us that I'd love to share with you this morning. And if you have your Bibles, won't you turn to Acts chapter 1 in the New Testament, Acts chapter 1, looking, longing, and living for the return of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Make your words alive to us, fill us with a passion for you, a passion for you, Jesus, as the coming King, the one who is coming imminently, soon, at any moment. And Lord, help us to be ready, make us ready, and pray you would use this word to ignite something in us. Light a fire today, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. No, God has blessed Corin now with not just one, not just two, but three teenagers in the home. And um, I, I, that's such a blessing. God ordained that. But um, it, it, it really helps to keep me on the pulse of teenagedom. What's going on in the hearts and minds of teenagers? Won't you raise your hand if you're a teenager here this morning? Praise ah! <laughs> You remember the days. But I, I was, last night, I was, I was chatting to Danny. We had a little time of family worship, and I was, I was chatting. I asked Danny before she went off to bed, and I said, um, Danny, just tell me, what is it in the hearts of teenagers today that is making them anxious? And she answered me, and she said, well, uh, the future, you know, work prospects, study, that's making us anxious. And she said, the second thing is our appearance and acceptance. And she said, the third thing is our social media profiles. And I said, okay, is that just three? Are there, are there, are there any more at all? She said, Dad, it's getting late now. You just think back when you were a teenager. I did think back quite far, but um, I... I've got to actually confess to you, through my teenage years, there was very little that made me anxious. Um, I, I was just carefree, surfer, didn't have too much concern about grades or future or 
there wasn't a social media profile in those days, so that wasn't an issue. The selfie had not been invented, so, um, you know, things were pretty easy. But, you know, as I thought back last night, I did think of one thing that came upon me unexpectedly and made me extremely anxious. And it happened this way. I'd grown up in a Baptist church, just like every good Christian should. (laughs) Amen? And the Baptist church that I grew up in, and I was a teenager in the 1980s, and um, for some reason, the youth leader decided on that Friday night, he was going to scare the hell out of us. He was going to show us that old 1970s Christian horror movie called A Thief in the Night. Has anyone watched that movie or seen it? Okay, it's on YouTube. You, you know, it's, it's, I don't know who the producer was, but it was the Stephen King of Christianity. Okay? It was awful. It was horrible. Do you know, I've still got images in my mind today from the 1980s, from that movie, but it really scared the out of me. It wasn't fun. It wasn't good. But I can remember... Them as, as they, you know, basically it, it's the whole movie is, uh, the premise of it is about these Christians that suddenly disappear and it's, you know, the whole events of the second coming and, and people going into the tribulation and these sort of Christians that were kind of like on the fence, not really committed to Jesus, but then, you know, they got left behind. It was, it was kind of awful and uh, really did shake me um, as many others, but reminded me of that scripture in Luke 17 when Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, and he said, it will be like a thief in the night. He said, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. In those days, people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered his boats and the flood came and destroyed them all. And later on, he says, that night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding together at the mill. One will be taken, and the other one left. And um, this whole thing, and I never had understood that the return of Jesus, when we speak of it, we say it's imminent. It can happen at any moment, any time. And I can remember, I was skateboarding, and this was a little few days, a couple of days after the horror movie, and I'm, I'm like, skating, and suddenly this thought enters my mind, and I'm like, if Jesus comes back at any moment, I'm 16, I'm not married, haven't fallen in love yet, and what about all the Christian virgins on earth that when Jesus comes back, they'll never have had a chance to have sex? And I'm like, I'm a skateboard, and I'm like, no ways, that's awful. Like, and I mean, teenagers, I mean, what, what, a teenage, teenage boys, you know, 16, 17, what do they live for, you know? Food and sex, you know, that's on their minds, you know? And, and, and I'm like, Jesus, I prayed this prayer. This was my prayer, I kid you not. Jesus, I'm 16 years old. Please don't come back before I've had a chance to fall in love, get married, and have sex. 
<laughs> Seriously. And Jesus answered my prayer. And, and I'm so thankful. And I feel the Christian virgins out there in the world, I don't know what they are praying, but I am so grateful to the Lord. Now, let me tell you, that was a long time ago. I've, I've come away in the Lord since that prayer. And to be honest with you, I'm not praying that prayer anymore for any other Christian virgins. God heard my prayer. You answered it. You sort out, fight your own battles. But my prayer has changed 180 degrees. Because the prayer that I pray these days is, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come soon, Lord Jesus. And you know, in the New Testament, the New Testament was written in Greek. There's one word, a beautiful word that describes for us that prayer. In fact, you could pray a one-word prayer. And that prayer, if you were going to use the Greek Aramaic term, it would be the word Maranatha. Maranatha means, oh, Lord Jesus, come back. And that's really, um, I think it should be the heart of every Christian. Come back quickly, Lord Jesus. Come back. Even if you're a virgin. Come back, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, today we're going to look in Acts chapter 1 at a group of Christians that were passionate for Jesus to come back. That were looking forward to his return. And I want you just to give you a, a, a bit of, you know, Acts chapter 1 as we go in. I'll read a few extra verses just to give you the, a bit of the scene. But what's going to happen is that the disciples, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's appeared alive for 40 days to his disciples. He's been ministering to them on various occasions, showing himself alive, them touching him, feeling him. He's really resurrected. It's a real man, real body. It's Jesus. And it says in verse 4, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but... You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, Cape Town. And when he had spoken these things, notice these words, while they did what? Watched. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, Jesus' disciples, as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white clothing, who also said, men of Galilee, why you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, the way he comes down is the way he went up. In like manner, this same Jesus is going to do it. 
And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying, and Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And these all continued, notice these words in verse 14, with one accord, in prayer and supplication, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. What an awesome setting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon the church. They were all together, same heart, same mind, with one accord. They were praying, they were calling on the Lord, and they were meeting together every day. After 10 days, the Holy Spirit came down in power upon them. I like that description of the book of Acts. It says the book of Acts is basically three things. Um, Jesus went up. The Holy Spirit came down and the disciples went out. And really, that is the truth. But what was the catalyst? What was the springboard? What caused this great move of the church? And was really like this match being lit and thrown into it and suddenly, poof, comes alive. Well, it was really that hope that they had in Jesus before the Holy Spirit was poured out, before the power before the prayer was the promise, I'm coming back. And the excitement on the hearts of the believers was he could come back today, tomorrow, the day after, or sometime, but he's coming back soon. And really, this is a powerful truth for us as the church. And that's really what I want to talk to you and put before you today is one of the most important truths in the New Testament is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back at any moment, and as the church, that energizes us. It's, in surfing terms, amps us for Jesus to come back. And how many of you want to be motivated and ready when your bridegroom comes back that you as the bride are ready for him? We want to be. The very worst thing that can come upon us as the church of Jesus Christ, is that we start to forget. And we start to think, oh, you know, I just want to do this, and I want to do that, and we push his coming into the background. And you know the most, well, if you look around the world and you see the churches where they're really experiencing revival, where the Holy Spirit is being poured out, there's a sense, there's an expectancy, and there's a desire. Jesus can come back. That's what makes people pray for 10 days, day and night. It motivates us. And it is the most, one of the most important doctrines in the whole of Scripture. Who was speaking at the time? It says, if you look at verse 10, while they looked steadfastly, so there is Jesus ascending up in this cloud that's hiding him from their sight and they're gazing up. And these two men who stood by them and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Who was that? Who was talking to them? These two men in white clothing. Well, let me tell you, they weren't priests. These were probably two angels. And most people interpret it as was two angels, just uses the word men. The Bible says angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to us who will receive salvation. But you know, I like to think of an angel as 
God's news reporters. A news reporter is always telling you this is what's happening. And when you think about the work of the role of a news reporter, what is a news reporter doing? He's saying, here, I've got a message. Here's something that happened, and let's make it public. And just think about it. When Jesus was born, there were the news reporters from heaven that were saying to the shepherds, hey, this day there is born to you in Bethlehem a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Go and see. And remember later, Jesus, after being crucified, and he was risen, and the disciples were, and Mary Magdalena went to go look in the tomb. The tomb is empty, and they don't know what on earth is going on. And two angels came, and one of the angels said to them, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Don't you remember what he told you? And you know, this is something, and this is just a complete side note, but I want to put it out to you, church is if you and I form our mind and our opinions on secular news and secular news reports, you're going to find that everything that takes place on this earth, if it's electricity, if it is trouble in the Middle East, if it is the oil supply, if it is crisis in Europe, whatever, you're going to have an secular opinion of what is happening in the world. And you see, I, I know there are a lot of folk that religiously turn on the TV at a certain time and they get the news, the news, the news. But where are you getting it from? And this is something I think important for us is we've got to use our Bibles to get the news of what is happening on earth. Just like Haman was sharing with us there are those signs that Jesus said, here's the news, look out for these things. We've got to interpret everything through the lens of Scripture. Amen? And so let's do that. But the question that I really want to focus on today, and I've just got three, three truths that I want to share with you. And this is about us as a church looking, living, and longing for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've got a pen and you want to take some notes here, I'll share out some scriptures too. But notice the exact moment when these angels appeared. It says, as the disciples were looking up to heaven. They're trying to see Jesus has suddenly disappeared. There's this cloud and they're looking up. And the first truth for us is that God wants us to be looking for His Son's return. Now, let me add to that. He wants us to be looking, not up in the sky. I mean, groups of Christians have done that before, and they've come back disappointed. He wants us to be looking in His Word for the return of Jesus. And as we look in the Scriptures, we're going to discover some amazing things. You will find it all through the Bible. Listen, Jesus' return is not just spoken of in the New Testament, but also in 17 Old Testament books. It's prophesied for us. In fact, someone has noted that there are more prophecies speaking of the return of Jesus Christ, the second coming, than the first coming. Isn't that interesting? And then, 
you will find the return of Jesus everywhere in the New Testament. Paul spoke of it and prophesied. Peter did too, James, John, Jude, and Luke, and most importantly, by Jesus himself. In fact, one of the fullest descriptions of the scene on earth when Jesus comes back was prompted by one of the disciples when they came to Jesus and they said, tell us, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? That's what Haman was referring to. And Jesus sat them down and he spoke and it's very, very, very detailed. It's in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 25 and Matthew 26 and uh, Matthew 24, Matthew 25, and it describes it for us. Now, what's very interesting, listen, there are no coincidences with God, is that the very place where Jesus was sitting with his disciples, talking to them of the signs of his coming and the end of the age, was the Mount of Olives. Now, where did Jesus ascend from? Well, look in your Bible. It's there in verse 12, and it says they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, the Mount of Olives. And so interesting that just a few weeks earlier, Jesus was prepping them with this very thing. And Jesus wants to prep us as we get to know. Uh, It was promised by Jesus. He showed and he said in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. And he said, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself. One of the big reasons why we should be excited about the return of Jesus is he's coming for us. That's exciting, isn't it? There's a wedding about to happen a royal wedding in heaven, and you and I get to be a part of it for us who are saved. And so, um, think about that. The apostles, wherever they would go traveling around and starting churches and sharing the gospel, they would frequently in every place speak about return of Jesus. He is coming back. They wanted that to be a foundation 1,845 references in the Bible to return of Jesus, 23 out of 27 New Testament books. One out of every 25 New Testament verses speaks of a return of Jesus. Now, think about that. How often would we, should we be thinking about Jesus' return? Well, it's obvious, once every 25 minutes. Okay? <laughs> We're getting it. Amen? So God wants us to be looking for the return of His Son. Where do we look? We look into His Word. We take those promises and we hold them close to our hearts. Secondly, God wants us to be longing for Jesus to return. He wants us to be longing for it. I already shared with you Paul's beautiful word when he was ending 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22, and he says, Oh, Lord, come. Just one word in the Greek, Maranatha, come. John the Apostle was the last living apostle on earth, and he was the one who transcribed the book of Revelation. And remember the name of the book, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, the revealing of 
Jesus to us. And even as he gets to the end of the book, and listen, how many of you have ever read the book of Revelation? You got a little bit troubled, jazzed. Okay, most of us. And the rest of us, well, you're just the Mission Impossible kind of guys, you know? Well, but most of us get scared. But you know, when John saw everything taking place and he saw the kingdoms of the world coming against the church, coming against God's kingdom, but he saw Jesus as the rider on the white horse returning with the saints and the angels in heaven, and he saw the kingdom of God, and there's this amazing declaration, the kingdoms of this world, I think of that today, Europe, the European nations, Russia, the East, North Korea, and just think of all these nations that are causing trouble on earth today, the USA, (laughs) whatever, okay, but just think of it all, that's Here is a prophecy in Scripture in Revelation that says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Jesus is going to trample down, the Bible says He will trample down those who stand against Him like a man if He was climbing into a trough and treading on grapes to get the grape juice, and it says He will trample on them with the wrath of God. And there are some daunting things that we see taking place in Scripture for those who don't know the Lord Jesus. But when you see what's going to happen after that, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And let us rejoice, it says. Let us be glad for this event has come. And so, listen, there are two tracks for all humanity facing the return of Jesus. One's daunting and fearful, and the other one is joyful. Let us rejoice. And so John the Apostle, as he's ending the letter, he rejoices. He says, come Lord Jesus. And then he says these words, and he said, the Spirit, listen carefully, the Spirit and the bride say come. And let him who thirst come. So here is something very, very important for us as the church. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, the church, together are uniting to say, come Lord Jesus. When last by the Spirit have you prayed for Jesus to come? Because really I believe that God wants to stir up His church to pray in the Spirit, with the Spirit, saying, come Lord Jesus. It's a motivating truth, longing. I believe as leaders, it's so important. The Bible, do you know that the Bible actually speaks of us? And um, I wonder if I should even, yeah, maybe. Let's turn there, Second Peter chapter 3. This is a very, very interesting scripture right here. I think you need to see it uh, with your own eyes. Second Peter chapter 3. Um, Really got me thinking. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine. And um, actually let me just go up to verse four. When in the last day people are going to be scoffers, walking in their own lusts. In verse four, they're going to be saying, Where's the promise of his coming? 
They're going to be ridiculing the fact that Jesus is coming back. They're going to be making light of it. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And he says, for this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. He's talking of Noah's flood. But listen, the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 8, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And He says, the day of the night the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? In other words, we've prophesied this event to you. Now what should we do with it? What kind of people ought we to be? Well, holy and godly. And listen to this, verse 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Now, when you look at that word, hastening, it's the Greek word spideo, which means we get the word speed. And now we're thinking, this, how can you and I, I mean, doesn't that, isn't that like God's department? How can we hasten? How can we speed up the day of Jesus' return? Well, listen, it goes back to that scripture, the bride has made herself ready. I guarantee you this, God the Father is not going to send His Son to come back for a half-dressed bride. He's waiting, and that really is the urgency. And I speak to all of us as leaders, those who are leading, whether it's eldership or deacons or com group leaders, it's up to us, based on this word, to speed up the day of the Lord's return, to help the bride of Jesus to be ready for the special moment, to be well-dressed, clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, how many of you leaders would really desire that upon you? Yes, I want to. And so that's my passion. You know, one of my sort of spiritual uh, verses that I hold on, part of my calling is in when John the Baptist, Zachariah, was prophesying and promising, and he said the ministry of John the Baptist, and it said will be, and Luke tells us, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I remember the day when I read that verse and I looked at it and it jumped out at me in 3D to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I thought if John the Baptist could prepare his nation and people for the first coming of Jesus, what if I would prepare my people and my family for the second coming of Jesus? 
to make ready a people prepared for more. This so impacted me that I had a sign writer and I got a sign writer and I said, etch out those words for me. I printed out big font and it was in my office as you walk through my front door to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That should be all of our prayers, all of our desires. Fathers, mothers, are you making ready your young people for the Lord? Because the bride should make herself ready. Last point, I'm going to close with this. God wants us to be looking for the return of Jesus. God wants us to be longing for the return of Jesus. Last point, I close with this. God wants us, very important, to be living practically for the return of Jesus. And I want to make this statement. You can write it down, but this statement is this. An eager anticipation of Christ's return keeps us living holy and fruitful lives. You will find when the truth about Jesus coming back, and listen, the technical word is imminent at any moment. When that truth takes a back burner, we forget about it. The church very easily descends into worldliness, into spiritual compromise. They lay their gifts down, and instead of exercising their gifts, they start trying to further themselves in life and build little earthly kingdoms for themselves. And people stop pouring their money into the church and into mission, into the things that, into the kingdom. They use their money to line their own pockets and to live high lives. And you see, that always happens when at the forefront of their minds is not the truth. Jesus could come back at any moment. And my prayer for you all, and for myself, and for my children, for Josh Jen, for the kingdom of the Lord on earth today, is that we, the bride, would be making ourselves ready. This is so important. Philippians 3 and verse 20, it says, we are citizens of heaven. Not of South Africa. That's the by the by. We are citizens of heaven. Okay? Listen to that, ESCOM. We are citizens of heaven. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. There's two elements to salvation. The first element is I gave my heart and life to Jesus, and I got baptized, and I'm saved. The second element of your salvation is when Jesus comes back and takes you into heaven. And so, listen, the future is not when I die that well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be taken up into heaven. My body's going to be here, cremated, whatever, and I'll go up into heaven. That's not the reality. The Bible doesn't use that for us to say that should be your motivator when I die one day. Even if you are, like my father, 93 years old, it's not when I die, it's when Jesus returns. Because Jesus can very easily, the imminent return says Jesus comes back at any time, and it could be before I die. And so, listen, these are important truths. I know I've gone through very fast, but, guys, I just, I, I know, you know, when you let the cat out among the pigeons, okay? I, I think I can create a little bit of mayhem here. And Ross had his turn last week. This is me. And I'm just saying, guys, get with it. Get with the program. If you're a teenager, pray, Maranatha. Pray for Jesus to come back. What you will experience in heaven will be better than the sex on earth, okay? It's exciting. There's exciting things reserved for us 
in heaven. Okay? So think about that. And I want to close with this verse. Revelation 19 verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. Would you prepare yourself and make this year a year in which you are just totally, totally preparing yourself for Jesus to come back? Don't be like those foolish virgins that forgot about it and fell asleep and ran out of oil. Get pumped up for this, guys. Get stoked. Get excited for this. Jesus is going to come back. His return is imminent at any moment. And if you're a Christian here and you've been living on the fence, go watch that movie, A Thief in the Night. It'll scare the socks off you, okay? And I just want to ask you, stop being lukewarm, okay? I know, I've lived in that space for a long time. Stop it, okay? It's, it's not good for you. It's just, I, I mean, you, you have some benefits of the kingdom, but then you lack the faith, Okay, just get the whole package. Go all out for Jesus. You know, when I was a teenager, I just said, well, my parents are full on for Jesus. That's cool. I'll cruise. Nonsense. Okay, Jesus calls teenagers to serve him and get on fire for him. Amen. And if you're here and you're not saved today, Ross wants to share the gospel. And Ross will share the gospel with you. Jeff will share it. Our wives will share the gospel, but we can't share the gospel with you if you walk out the thing and you're like, okay, well, yeah, uh, okay. You come here after we pray, when we're having coffee, you come up and you say, I want to get my heart right with Jesus. I want to give myself to Jesus fully. I want my sins cleansed, and I want that assurance of heaven, and I'm going to get baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm going to identify myself with what I heard today, Okay? Let's pray. Guys, stand with me, please, and um, we just want to um, take this moment and ask Jesus to, to blaze these words into us and to etch them into our hearts and spirits. And God, the very worst thing that could happen to us is that we be hearers of the word and not doers. And so, Lord, I want to pray right now, just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit among every believer here, everyone that knows you. Jesus, I know how you shook my life up, and I, how, Lord, it just revival flowed and poured into my life, because I started thinking about your return. And Lord, I want to pray that for every believer here. I want to ask, Lord, fire of the Holy Spirit, come down and fill us, Lord, fill us with this truth of Maranatha. And we pray that this morning, Jesus, come back quickly. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said? Amen. No, not amen. Come. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs>